This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we're looking ahead to another week of major market-shifting events. I'm Nick Howard. Joining me is Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham. Craig, very good afternoon to you. It has been for us another week of, well, hugely tumultuous events, but we're looking ahead now to um, the week to come, where, once again, I think Brexit is going to be the dominating story. It is. This is effectively what we've been waiting for now for the last two and a half years, all the drama, all the theatre, everything. We always said that it would be very unlike uh, a real negotiation, uh, especially one given what we've seen for the last uh, decade or so with the EU, if it didn't go right up to the wire. And I remember we were really quite surprised that Theresa May struck this deal with the EU uh, in, in the third quarter or early fourth quarter of last year because we were like, this is a bit early. Like This this almost seems too reasonable. It seems like sure, it's going too well. Uh, and we quickly learned that there was far more complications to come. And what we've seen recently is very much more in keeping with what we were expecting. We've just had a very uh, a very interesting week, I think it's safe to say, some very, very close votes um, in Parliament. And when you're talking about one person having a major influence in a 650-person Parliament, that's, that, that's quite, uh, a, quite a phenomenal week, um, even by our own standards. And we're now heading for another. We have another vote on Theresa May's deal on Tuesday. Uh, I think... I'm a bit torn, if I'm honest. There's the part of me which says if Theresa May's deal fails now, then maybe this is it. This is, she's had three attempts, she doesn't get it through, surely this kills it. And there's the other side of me, the other other little Craig on my other shoulder going, Craig, there's nine days to go, mate. I mean, (laughs) do you really think this is going to be over with nine days to go? Of course not. There's an EU summit on the 21st, 22nd. This this is an easy opportunity for them to offer one last little thing, have one more vote a few days later, for the Attorney General to get that little last assurance that gets him on side. Um, Yeah, uh, it's really... We are at a a really crucial point, and ah, there's got to be one more twist, doesn't there? So let's lay out the alternative routes ahead, and also how you're thinking that uh, markets will react to this, because we've now got the um, intention that the UK will ask for a delay for an extension of Article 50. That could be up until June the 30th is the UK's intention, although the EU has already suggested that might be difficult. Um, That's if a deal is struck. That's more or less just a a technical extension. If Theresa May's deal can't get through, then there is the suggestion that these negotiations could go on for several more years. What do you think is more likely? Well, that's this is effectively Theresa May's plan. We have to remember, Theresa May seems to be prepared almost at times for every defeat that she suffers in Parliament, and it seems like this is her latest, uh, her latest attempt to get to to swing the pendulum back in her favour, uh, and therefore the effective extension in Parliament saying it's a short extension. Brexit is if we want to actually implement this in three months, but you've got to back my deal to do that. So back my deal, three month extension. Don't back my deal. It's going to have to be a much longer extension. This isn't something you want. So this is just again another thing to push things back in her favour. My, my my thinking is that a long extension is just going to be seen as intolerable to Brexiteers. But I think, to be honest, to the general public, do MPs in Parliament want to be responsible for dragging us through another 12 to 24 months of this? I know I can't take it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, my, I'm leaning towards short technical extension at this moment, but that doesn't mean that Theresa May's vote again passed on Tuesday because, again... We leave on the twenty ninth. I mean, there's there's a 
there's still time to go, and when there's time, there's something that's going to change, I find. So looking ahead to other events taking place next week, we've got central bank action, um, we've got the Bank of England, we've got the Fed. It seems like for both um, the UK and also the US, there's so much else going on that neither can really move at this point, surely. Absolutely not, and especially at a time when we are seeing global central banks generally become more dovish. We're seeing an economy that's slowing down globally. Uh, Risks um, have very much been building over the time, and no one seems to be wanting to raise interest rates at this moment, and everyone seems to have taken a back seat and decided we can be patient, we can be calm, we can wait. And that goes from the Fed right down um, to everyone else. And the Bank of England is obviously going to be on board with that. I think the Bank of England's probably the most likely to raise rates this year if we get a, a smooth transitional uh, Brexit because we haven't really seen much so far. And the economy is still not necessarily growing that fast, but un- unemployment's very low, wages are high, and the inf- there's a potential for inflation to, to peak again. So I think the Bank of England's probably more likely to go, but they're not going to signal anything tomorrow, uh, sorry, next week, uh, simply because they don't know what the outcome of the next two weeks is going to be. So that's going to have a major bearing uh, on this. But again, all of this is, again, what what impact does this have on the markets, Uh, which is what you've uh, just alluded to, because the pound's been extremely volatile and there's clear optimism there. And this is always the difference between the markets and the media and the public, right? Mm. The markets try to weigh up the probabilities of things happen. They try not to get carried away too much in in their hysteria. And quite often that means that they price things relatively accurately, but it also means that they can be caught very offside. Um, So, for example, in the run-up to the referendum, markets were very convinced that we were remaining. Um, They were very much following the betting odds, which gave us almost at times like more than 90% chance of staying. I think actually, if I remember rightly, and we are going back two and a half years of Brexit here, but if I remember rightly, on referendum day, I think the markets at one point were pricing in more than a 90% chance of remain. Very offside. And certainly if you were at the bookies, presumably some people made a fortune there. Yeah, I mean, you, you can imagine that the, there was a lot of money to be made there if you decided that the, the, at the end of the day, that, that there's an imbalance between the reality uh, and the actual probabilities. Um, so you can imagine there was a lot of money to be made there. And um, I remember the markets time were very much following the bookies' probabilities. And you do, there was questions afterwards about who was actually really driving the book of bookies' probabilities. Not necessarily calling to question the bookies, but how much money would it take to swing those probabilities and therefore create market opportunity? Well, this is something we're presumably now seeing feed into what's going on at the moment. As you say, the um, pound has been volatile. It's gone up and down you know, a huge amount compared to where it's been mm. over the past um, couple of years. And yet the swings are so frequent that it feels as though people are all following each other. Yeah. And I think what we have to remember with the markets is they are volatile. They are responding to events. And I think the, the swings that we've seen is actually built on optimism followed by disappointment. Uh, and that's why we're seeing optimism because no deals becoming increasingly less likely, even though regardless of the vote this week, no deal is still on the table because it's the default. As long as it's the default, it's on the table. And until that changes, until the law changes, that is the case. But obviously, if everyone's voting against it, then it would suggest that the closer we get to exit day without a deal, the more MPs are going to look to say, right now, we're all against no deal. We agree that. How do we change the legislation? So until that happens, then the the the, the no deal remains a possibility and therefore the pound can't necessarily take off as mm-hmm. it would. Um, but at the same time, you look at the markets and the volatility is created because then votes happen and then it's disappointing. We move further away from Theresa May's deal and so on and so forth. But the important thing is the pound has lifted a lot off its lows because of those no deal prospects. What that means is that 
the closer we get to Brexit Day, the more anxiety will pick up. And that's when you start to get a real test for the Bulls because the more the anxiety picks up while no deal is technically still on the table, you've got to have a nerve because the downsides become significant. Um, if no deal did happen, theoretically, what is people's expectations downside for the pound? And um, how much can traders stomach that? If we're on the 28th of March and there is a no deal Brexit, is the pound dollar still trading between the 130-133 range because there's confidence that it won't happen one day later? I'd, I, I would suggest not. But how long are people willing to hold out? Because this can and may, and if you look at if you look at past experience, will go right to the wire. So given that tension then, obviously we've covered Brexit in detail here. Is there anything else coming up that you'll be looking at while all attention is on um, the EU-UK negotiations? Yeah, the, the bulk of the attention is going to be on this side of the pond on this occasion. We've got a lot of UK economic data as well. And again, markets may pick and choose if it, if it decides to take, pay attention. I think it takes something quite drastic from these data releases to really grab market attention. But this is all, typically a very UK-centric week. We've got the Bank of England meeting on Thursday, but we also have jobs data on Tuesday. We've got inflation data on Wednesday. We've got retail sales data on Thursday. So you do get this barrage of numbers, which gives us an inclination as to the health of the UK economy. And that obviously has a much bigger impact when you haven't got something completely that can completely potentially destabilise it in two weeks' time. But it's something that I think markets are going to be paying attention to. And then on Wednesday, we also have the Federal Reserve meeting as well. Uh, uh, and again, we talked earlier, central banks around the world have become uh, a lot more standoffish. Um, some even pricing in a rate cut. We're not there with the Fed yet. I still think the Fed will raise interest rates once this year. Markets not necessarily agreeing at this moment in time. And the chair has previously suggested that he's very much going to be patient uh, and wait and see. I imagine that the meeting that we see this week, and there will be a press conference after, because now, due to a change this year, every Fed decision is followed by a press conference with the chair. Um, I imagine that the message isn't going to have changed. The The outlook hasn't changed. The global economy has, doesn't change. The prospects haven't changed. The numbers aren't changing. And the two biggest risk factors, US-China trade war, uh, which is going to continue as well in the background, and the Brexit situation, that hasn't changed. Uh, the one thing that has we are seeing developing, obviously, is the trade war, um, and that is that suggests that we're not going to see a meeting between President Xi and President Trump this month. That this is more likely to be the April in, in order to sign any agreement, and they're still working on the technical arrangements and the uh, the text. Um, so that, that 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 suggests there's a little bit of delay there. As long as all this is happening, why would a central bank be in too much of a rush to uh, be raising interest rates? Absolutely. There's plenty to look ahead to and, uh, yeah, plenty of tension in the air. Craig, always a pleasure to um, speak with you. That's Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. It's available from iTunes and all the places online where podcasts live. Let's be honest, things are not going to get any quieter over the next week, especially as we head into the final days before Brexit. So do join us again next week. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.